0: The Science of, on The Money Show. Divorce is a messy business. It's never pleasant, and it's about dividing up assets of a life together after, it could be a relatively short period of time, but in many cases, and more and more, one sees relationships of people in their 50s breaking up as kids are moving out of home, and just, you know, it's unwinding lives together. And it can be deeply bitter, it can be deeply angry, um, and it can be very, very Very expensive. So what we have in studio this evening is a new way of thinking about divorce. Is it possible to have a collaborative divorce. What is a collaborative divorce? Well, we'll find out in just a second. And then we've got the good old-fashioned kickboxer, um, Graham Greenstein, who is divorce lawyer Greenstein's attorneys. Um, he operates in the traditional way of divorce, um, divide and conquer. But we'll get to Graham Greenstein in just a moment. Um, but first, my guest is Kim Wright. She's a lawyer. Uh, we've got lots of titles, but she is a, an American family lawyer who looks at collaborative divorce. Uh, this feels like Canadian rather than American. The Canadians are nice. they can do collaborative divorce. Can anyone else, Kim?
1: Well, collaborative law is now in 40 countries. So not just an American phenomenon.
0: What is collaborative law versus the law as we know it?
1: Collaborative law is mostly used in divorce, although it can be in other models. But it's about having a settlement focus that's so strong that the parties and their attorneys sign an agreement saying that if they don't resolve, the attorneys will withdraw and they have to start over. So that, that's the piece that is that defines collaborative law.
0: So how does it work feasibly? Uh, two spouses go into a room, they've each got their own attorneys, yes. and there is a moderator in between? No, okay.
1: not necessarily. How does it work? The attorneys are specially trained to focus on settling. So there are some models where there is a moderator or a mediator to help facilitate, do case management. But the pure model is the attorneys are trained to focus on settlement. And so, if they need other opinions, if they need somebody to, like, you know, value a, an asset, or if their children are having problems and they want to bring in somebody who's a specialist in dealing with children, they can bring that person in as an advisor. But they're not hiring dueling experts. They bring in one expert, if, um, and based on what they actually need. And then, when uh, they get that advice, and they can they can control their own process, does it
0: uh, d- suggest that you have to be at least on speaking terms still in order to make this model work? Is it is it uh, one size fits all, or it, it does is it very specifically applied to more? Dare I call them a friendly divorce? Or, um...
1: I've had some very very high conflict divorces, and in fact. In some ways, it's the preferred method for a high-conflict divorce because the court is just going to sort of exacerbate the conflict. And we're actually looking at that emotion is part of divorce, but it's only part of divorce. The legal part is part, and it's only part. How are we going to be more holistic in how we approach it? And it doesn't have to be that um, that they're amicable to start with. Now, they have to wish to be.
0: They've got got to want to get it over and done with in the fairest possible way in the shortest space of time.
1: Yes, and most of the time we can kind of have that conversation around what's best for their children.
0: Yes, very important. Graham Greene, son, you do it the old-fashioned way.
2: You're stereotyping me, Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) I've got no problem with this concept of kumbaya, make right. But what I experience very often, especially in the big money matters, is... There's not a full disclosure and a mediation or a collaborative law is as good as the parties who engage in the process. And if one party is not going to show and disclose fully,
0: then the there 's a problem we got in, in traditional divorce settlements where it 's acrimonious and everybody's got their own legal party and you go to court um there is uh, th- there's a discovery process i suppose, and there is the the hidden assets that the husband or the wife has kept secret from the spouse, spouse for the last fifteen years um building up a a nest egg to in, in in case of you know should one day there be a separation
2: there's a discovery process the is the ability to issue subpoenas, and often the one spouse doesn't know what the other spouse has got. Yeah. So as the old-fashioned divorce lawyer, as you term, as you term me, It's part of my job is to find out what there is. So the, I have no problem with going to a mediation to appoint an, an independent person who could be the mediator and go with the clients. But that person is as good as the documents yeah. that he's
0: given. How do you get around that, Kim?
1: In collaborative law, you are required to be transparent.
0: But you're required to be transparent. It doesn't necessarily mean that you will be. So there has to be a fair amount of trust on both sides that at least the other person, you may not like them anymore, but they're honest.
1: That's, that's true. And, and most people really do know what they have. I mean, maybe, maybe not specifically, but they know if they if they've had a long marriage. Most people know that they have a house and they may have a retirement account and they have a car and some bank accounts. That's true of most people.
0: Most people, but Graham deals with people who who are quite high net worth individuals. I'm sure Graham uh, and people who can very easily lead dual lives,
2: lead dual lives and have separate trusts and overseas and overseas vehicles and. What is What do you do as a lawyer when the client says to you, I don't have any documentation, but this is what we've discussed? Mm. And, and the other party is not prepared to divulge.
1: Well, How do you cope with that, Kim? Well, they probably wouldn't be in collaboration unless, of course, they don't want all of their business all over the newspaper and in the media because one of the principles of collaborative law is that it's private and it doesn't get posted
0: all over we do have very strict divorce laws in south africa though where divorce is not reportable unless (laughs) uh, unless the parties agree graham something along those lines
2: yes the matter went to the constitutional court and generally when are children involved that you know they don't divulge the 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 names of the parties but it still comes back to the same problem is i want to do this nicely i want to do it amicably but i don't want to show you so what do you as the old-fashioned divorce lawyer do You go and you find it.
0: You go and ferret it out. Well, that's what we called upon to do. Yeah, absolutely right. So, Kim, I mean, it's, it's a difficult environment in which to, to do it. I mean, you've, the, the the way in which collaborative divorce works is on the willing seller, willing buyer principle and transparency. Without that transparency, and tragically, there are people and people in this town, in particular in Johannesburg, who are deeply secretive about their financial affairs. They try and keep it secret from everybody.
1: Well, and if they do come up with an agreement that is based on a lie, then it the whole agreement goes out when that lie is discovered.
0: If it's ever- Ever discovered.
1: If it's ever discovered, uh, but the same is true of the court. They're, if, if they're really being secretive, they may never discover it.
0: 11 883 if the root sounds and I use the term appealing to you advisedly because there is nothing appealing about divorce um, unless you really don't like each other anymore um, and, and, you're, and you're better off alone but um, if you want to find out more about collaborative divorce so I've got an expert in the field Kim Wright from the United States and Graham Greenstein divorce lawyer Greenstein's attorney is making a very strong point about the honesty of the process Donna in Sunning Day down- um, you're a divorce mediator. How does that differ from being a divorce lawyer? Do you have a legal background?
3: Well, um, I'm, a, I'm actually a social worker, but I did work in training mediators, so we trained people across the spectrum. It was attorneys, psychologists, social workers, people who are trained to work with divorce, and then we trained them specifically in mediation skills. But my question to the attorney is, is he says that the role of the attorney often is to uncover hidden assets. But my question is, first of all, what is the cost involved in a forensic order? And secondly, even with a forensic order, what guarantees does one have of actually exposing all the hidden assets? So I'd like his answer to the question, but my assumption is that if somebody chooses to hide the asset, then neither the process... Will really reveal what the assets are. The chance one takes, but if you choose to go the legal route, really you will only enrich the attorneys in the process because there is still no guarantee that the assets will be fully exposed.
0: Don and Sunny Dell, thank you very much, Graham Greenson. how how much of a guarantee is there that you can be like a bloodhound and actually find the assets?
2: Bruce, first of all, what the the call is presupposing? I said that there must be a forensic audit didn't say that I said my job is sometimes to uncover the assets and that could be by a simple subpoena subpoena in a bank from that you may get a balance sheet which the spouse has declared and from there can start the potential investigation now I appreciate that Divorce is very costly and you've always got to balance it with what is the potential gain so as not to enrich the lawyers, so as to ensure that you stand to gain. But there are no guarantees that you're going to find anything. Yeah. And your client and your case is as, good as, as, is as good as the facts and the evidence that you can produce. But where I differ with her is so you'll never find it, so you mustn't try, so you'll save money.
0: Collaborative divorce, can it be done in a civilized way? Graham Greenstein, do people generally come to the divorce process saying, you know what, let's get this settled in the fair way? Here's 50%, I'll take 50 you take 50 Or is everybody in it to try and squeeze 60, 40, 70, 30, 80, 20, 90, 10 um, out of the deal?
2: As a starting point, what what determines your entitlement is the the antinuptial contract that you sign. So some contracts say you can't get 50-50. Sure. But but answering your question on the basis that are you going to get what you're legally entitled to, in my experience, in my practice, I, I don't see fair offers being made as a starting point. It's only after prodding, digging, finding, and a person getting pushed into a corner do you then have a fairer settlement.
0: Kim
1: Wright. So I was a trial lawyer for several years. Okay. So I've, I've been on both sides. And when I was a trial lawyer and I advertised myself as a trial lawyer and I was known to be uh, a trial lawyer who won all the time, I had people come to me who wanted to fight. Yes. And when I shifted and I started saying, perhaps this is not the best thing. And, and that enlightenment came when one of my clients who won – came to me and said, I will never do that again. If he ever tries to take me to court again, I will sign everything over to him and give him the children, because that was the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And that that woke me up to, what am I doing? What kind of a system am I operating in okay um at
0: the same time i mean it's it, it's it, it, from the outside it appears to be a brutal system it appears to be a system whereby nobody escaped nobody comes out of it feeling particularly happy um with the resolution at the end of it but in a in an environment where a relationship with the trust in a relationship is broken down and that is ultimately when divorce happens when trust depending on what level of trust um breaks down um you stand by the fact that collaborative divorce does less damage
1: it does less damage, levels. but I'll give you an example of a, of a case I handled. It was a very, multi, many multi-millions of dollars, and um, grown children, 30-something year marriage. And, um, and so I asked my client, what, is, what do you want your relationship to be like with him when this is over? Because you have children. And she actually said to me that their daughter was getting married in the summer, and she didn't want their animosity to get on their daughter's wedding and and so we created a vision of them dancing together at the wedding did they and they did
0: <laughs> and, and did he step on his toes more than he used to when they were married
1: he was very pleased with the with <laughs> oh. the settlement and yeah. and it was because we didn't we didn't get into the positionality of 50-50 or anything like that we actually stepped back and said what do they need what mm. does she need we had a financial advisor work with her we had…
0: Um Graham earlier described it as the kumbaya solution. I want to get your response to that. because uh, You want to add something else before I go in there,
1: Graham?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I want to say from what Kim's saying that we didn't take what the law is. We said, what do you need? Now, I think that's the incorrect premise. You get married according to a certain regime. If the regime says you must get 50-50, don't ask for 51, but don't get 49. So, so what you're doing is you say you work in it not on your legal entitlement. You work in it, I want kumbaya, come what may. I'm going to get less.
0: And also, but lives change, Graham. I mean, also, isn't there room for negotiation as people evolve and, and relationships change? That if you married when you were 25 and you're getting divorced when you're 55, 30 years is a long time um, in which your circumstances have changed. You agreed to a contract when you were 25. Is that contract, should that contract still be valid in the same form? Or could it not be more negotiable 30 years later? So
2: does the same apply for you? You employed when you're 25 and now you're 55.
0: It happens. Like that in the workplace all the time. And and now, and people and get bulleted. And, and, <laughs> and now
2: you must earn less mm. because mm. you know you go into a marriage for better or for worse. You sign a deal, and that's your deal. And and don't screw the other party, but give them what they're legally entitled to. I'm not advocating 51 percent. If I'm yeah. entitled to 50, be fair.
0: What about what about the legal framework? I mean, sure. Is there not a risk here that the divorce process lo- loses its its legal integrity by people sort of doing you know? Post uh, anti-nuptial s- settlement se- settlements.
1: Well, I usually think that the law is there for judges to tell people what to do, but that they have the freedom to choose what works for them now in the circumstances. That particular client realized that she couldn't spend the many mo- millions of dollars that fifty percent represented. Yeah. And at their age, he he was an excellent money manager. They set up a um, trust fund to support a charity that she cares passionately about, and um, and she has more money than she can possibly spend. She took the amount she thought she could spend. She doubled it, and then she said, he's going to leave the money to the children anyway. He's going to take that money. He's going to churn it and make m- many more millions of dollars. And he's going to leave it to the children, and I don't want to mess with it.
0: And that is when you have faith in your husband's integrity for their children, if you and, – and you hear horror stories, Graham, uh, of men who then go off and, and meet a 25, the new 25-year-old um, and have a whole new family, and then families end up fighting over the spoils of the inheritance later on.
2: And, and the downside also is if you do a divorce, if you do a settlement for the sake of peace and dancing at the wedding, but later you find out what you were legally entitled to – that in itself breeds discontent. Mm, yeah, so.
1: she knew what she was entitled to. We did a complete disclosure. Um, you know, I that, mean, I could I could give you the dollar amount of of their divorce, but I, you know, I'm not go, I'm not going to. But it was. Um, I mean, she has more. She has many millions of dollars more than she could ever spend. No, I
0: mean, and in that case, where money is not an issue, yeah. it's okay. It becomes more difficult though when people are, are, are threatening you know, are threatened to be borderline. But, but
2: in that case. She knew what there was. Yes. And she took a commercial decision. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. No problem with that. But what happens when you don't know? Yes. Good point. Robin in Rosebank, you did it very nicely, did you?
3: Yes, I think, Bruce, that I wanted to relate very much to the whole question of trying to think into what you want the relationship to be like after the divorce. And the implications for all members of our family and friends that are part and parcel of your lives. Um, I was very blessed to be able to have a very amicable divorce with my, um, uh, with my past wife. Um, and I look back at it, in fact, we look back at it, we, we see each other from time to time. But what it's done for the relationships between members of our family and our friends, who remain our friends, there's nobody with perceptions of who's uh, siding with who, We we even have a friend coming down from Pretoria in the next couple of weeks, uh, and we set up a meeting that we will, uh, uh, a visit that we will both be attending. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. It it becomes far more important than just the money.
0: Robin in Rosebank in Cape Town, thank you. Sorry to cut you there, Robin. Is it possible to go through um, the Argy Bargy divorce? And and have what Robin has, seems to have, have succeeded there because b- divorce is often devastating beyond the immediate family. It's divorce is, is devastating across networks of friends and people take sides and oh, it's so messy.
2: There's no doubt that one should try and resolve the matter amicably, and in that situation of an amicable resolution, you can. But where the one party's not been honest about his or her affairs. Yeah, and then there's the argy bargy. Now someone's been caught out. Now it it becomes difficult because again the egos get involved.
0: Ego. Do you get ego? Do you take ego out of collaborative divorce? Is it possible, Kim?
1: One of the things my client said is that I helped her stay in her big self because when she was upset, she wanted to have a two-year-old tantrum.
0: Yeah, absolutely right.
1: And um, and 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 so. But that's a a th-
0: therapeutic, surely, Graham. Two-year-old tantrums at the age of fifty. What a bonus.
2: Well well you know it all uh, anything goes in divorce and yeah. and unfortunately while lawyers make money when you come to talking about children is sometimes the hate for the spouse is greater than the love for the child Oof. <laughs> terrible and these are decisions that people these are unfortunately decisions that people make and it's certainly not good for children to be involved in the litigation and one must advocate trying to resolve divorces amicably. But in my world, in my practice, there's an absence of disclosure, there's an absence of menschkeit, and you land up in a
0: warring situation. Menschkat will end up on that particular point. Graham Greenstein, who is a divorce lawyer. He's a specialist in that particular space at Greenstein's Attorneys. And then also to Kim Wright, who's a lawyer. She's here to teach lawyers, like Graham. Let's see if he goes along to the coaching uh, on how to go do collaborative divorce. She's a legal trainer at the Centre for Integrative Law. Uh, Kim Wright, thank you very much for coming in.